Genre. We solemnly swear we're up to no good. to Harry Potter Minute, everybody, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Laguna. And today we have a very special guest with us, uh, one of the hosts of Lord of the Rings Minute, Norman Mitchell. Hey, Norman. I'm glad you think he is very special. I'm so excited to have you on. We had so much fun recording with you and Cassandra, and then when she was on a few weeks ago, it was, uh, I think, I think Cassandra's episodes are some of the longest ones we did. Uh. That was a fun week. Um, so it's exciting. I'm glad to have you on. I'm glad to be here. I uh, I have a I certainly have an appreciation for these for these stories. So I'm glad I can talk about them. Would you? Uh, what is your history with Harry Potter? Like, did you read the books growing up, or did you find the movies first? Like, how? So how did you become involved? I I did I, I did consume the books as they came out. After the first movie came out, because my first experience with Harry Potter was when I was in middle school and this movie had just come out. Uh, my my entire middle school, all four grades, fifth through eighth, all went to the movies one day and we all got to see Harry Potter for free as like a school. That's trip. awesome. That's crazy. That makes wow. me so happy. That's, that's and, really amazing. I sat next to the girl I had a crush on through all of middle school, and that was the first time I ever saw this movie. Aw. That's adorable. And then I really liked it, and I just consumed the books as I could get my hands on them, which usually meant that one of my sister's friends would get a brand, would get the copy of the book as soon as it came out. She would read it, and then because she was my sister's friend, my sister would read it, and then I would read it after my sister did. Uh, so you yeah. just got passed around. <laughs> I feel like that happened for a lot of uh, a lot of groups of people. Like I know, particularly in my family, like we would go and get them at midnight, and I would read them, and then my sister would read them, and then my mom would read them, and they kind of got passed around. You know, that's so funny. Yeah, and I I remember reading every book. Uh, I remember reading every book after Goblet of Fire. So uh, Order of the Phoenix, Half Blood Prince, and Deathly Hallows. I read all three of those books in a single sitting. Each. I. I think when I got, yeah, I think for the last few, I did the same thing where I went and got them at midnight and I might've read a little bit before like falling asleep that night, but like the next day was just Harry Potter. Harry Potter day. Yeah. <laughs> Carried that book around with me everywhere I went. And couldn't put it down. Um, and I have actually never read really? them since. Oh, wow. I've never reread them. Oh, I've man. only read them I, the one time. I reread the books voraciously every time a new one came out i would reread the whole series uh i would read them over the summer when i wasn't at school but then i would carry them with me at my 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 copies are all in very terrible condition because they survived backpacks for many years i mean there's only four there's only four uh books i've ever read more than once 
and three of them are Tolkien. So <laughs> that that's fair. Uh, and the the other one is a is a science fiction novel called uh, The Humanoid Touch by Jack Williamson. Hmm. I it's the only other. The, it's the only other story. The only non-Tolkien story I've ever read the book more than once. That's fascinating. Do you know, mm-hmm. did you ever do any of the Pottermore stuff? Do you know, like, what your Hogwarts house is or any of that? Uh, yeah, I have done that. Uh, just the, I don't remember what some of them are for some of the more uh, out there quizzes and stuff. Sure. But I do know my house and my Patronus. Okay. Uh, I am I am a Slytherin. Hmm. Uh, and my my Patronus is a cat. Oh, like, the, you That's have, awesome. like, the best. <laughs> I feel that's awesome. I think you're our first Slytherin guest. I think so too. I love that. That's I mean, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I I have uh I have decidedly Gryffindor tendencies, but uh I am primarily a Slytherin. How do you how how do you do you identify with like the Slytherin house or how do you how do you feel about being put into that um being sorted in that way? Uh I, I'm fine with it. It it doesn't bother me whatsoever. Um, I don't know. I I think that the the quality of Slytherin that I most align with is cunning and not ambition. Interesting. I can see that. So I've always been fine with that. That's cool. Slytherin with Gryffindor tendencies. Yeah, I like that. Yes. Yeah, Victoria and I just did. There's a BuzzFeed quiz that I was. Uh, pointed to today that shows like what percentage of each of the houses your makeup is and victoria was ravenclaw and then slytherin well no you were tied well, slytherin, it was, and it was, but... slytherin and gryffindor were tied and okay. then hufflepuff is my least amount. slytherin was my lowest house on my so i find that hilarious yeah. i feel like ravenclaw would be my lowest yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i That's uh interesting i definitely exemplify the whole idea of like loyalty when it comes to certain other aspects of my personality. Sure. I'm a very loyal person. Yeah, you know, from listening to Lord of the Rings Minute, I probably would have guessed you were a Hufflepuff. And I mean that in like, I don't know. It, uh, in, in a good way? No, definitely. Of course, in a good way. I love Hufflepuff. I, I, I also I'm, have a I'm lot just of Hufflepuff happy. tendencies. I'm just happy and fluffy. It's <laughs> there you happy go. Happy and fluffy. Yeah, I feel. I feel like you guys are. You guys are hobbits over there. I love listening to Second Breakfast because it's so much fun. Uh, okay. We should talk about the minute, probably, guys. Right today. Yeah, we're here today. for a reason. Yes, we are here for a reason. <laughs> we have. Uh, we have a good week this week. I'm very excited for all the stuff we get to talk about. We do get st- good stuff this week. I'm excited. I have some. Yeah, notes. I'm excited too. I uh, I requested this minute because it's it. It is the first appearance of my favorite artifact in Harry Potter. We will so. get there. I am stoked. I have uh, I have some good notes for that. Uh, today, we are talking about Minute 91. Minute 91 starts with Harry sneaking away from Filch out of the restricted section, and it ends with Snape reaching out toward Harry under the cloak. Um, my very first note says that the cloak is like like gossamer as we see it from underside it's very like thin you can definitely it looks, like... it looks thin from underneath while mm-hmm. he's in there well he's got to be able yeah, to see through yeah you can see it. the pattern yeah. yeah i was trying to like make out what the pattern on it was and it it shifts a lot it's kind of floral yeah it looks uh when we first see it a few minutes before this uh when he unfurls it it looks like a like the skin of an ugly sofa 
<laughs> That's funny. You see, skinned a microfiber sofa. You know, I didn't. Yeah, think like about one of those like, that. like early '80s style ones. There, mm-hmm. there you go. <laughs> oh, he's wearing he's wearing a sofa. Yep, the skin yep. of a sofa. The, <laughs> the skin of a sofa. <laughs> the skin of a sofa. We we don't waste any part of the sofa. <laughs> no, like they're roaming out there grazing. You just gotta mm-hmm. gotta use every part gotta of the use sofa. all of it. He made a good cloak out of it. Yep. No one would suspect that sofa in the corner that was Harry Potter. It was yeah, it was was just Harry in disguise. The, the cloak doesn't make him invisible. It just makes him appear to be a piece of furniture that belongs. Like, I, there you yes. go. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> me too. I think that's very effective. That is. That would be effective. Think, it makes me think of that moment in in Two Towers when uh, when. Frodo and Sam cover themselves with the, the, the uh-huh. cloak from the elves and they just look like a boulder. Like a rock just sitting there. Mm-hmm. It's like Snape is reaching out because he's just like, has that lamp? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Oh my goodness. And then, and then he grabs it. Nothing, but that's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. That is tomorrow. I wrote that there's very little sound. Um, that that the music is very still in this moment. It's kind of eerie, I, not like a horror movie eerie, but sort of this this very, um, um, yeah. I want to say it's got like an airy quality. I I think that helps with the tension because we're about to walk in on an argument. Yeah, absolutely. And so so we've already seen Filch, and so Harry's trying to be really quiet. And uh, we can even hear as Filch walks in front of him, like you can hear Filch's breath coming really heavy. Mm-hmm. And so Harry's definitely like, you get that kind of sense. He's like holding his breath. Like we don't want to be found out. And then uh, we come into the next room and you hear Mrs. Norris. And uh, I like Mrs. Norris a lot. She's very noisy in this particular minute. Um, but she's, she's such a pretty cat. We've talked about her before. Her name is Pebbles. Which is a cute name. She's adorable. She's a Maine Coon. Maine Coons are very big oh. and fluffy. Mm-hmm. And yes. very cute. She, uh, she has the very stereotypical Maine Coon pattern. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like, I, you can tell she's a Maine Coon if you know anything about cats. It's like, oh, definitely. Oh, that meow. Yep. She, uh, she kind of follows after Harry. Do you think she's not sees Harry, but, the senses? Like, perhaps? Smells him? Smell. You smell. Do you think it's because of the smell? Oh, he smells, smells and hears. That and makes sense. Like, you know, they hearing. have good hearing. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, dogs you and cats can hear and smell. The rustling of the cloak. So even though he's, like, breathing very, like, steadily, mm-hmm. like, that you'd still be able to hear that. Uh, it reminds me, it definitely makes me think of how uh, how animals are said to have, like, sense, like, ghosts or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, they have that know, sixth sense yeah, kind of about exactly. things of what's going around mm-hmm. them. They're they're perceiving something that like we might not necessarily know is there. So, she, but she's smart enough to realize that it's not a ghost because if it was, she wouldn't snitch on a ghost. So Harry turns and runs. <laughs> He's like, she's gonna snitch yeah. on me. I like all of these um, these camera angles, the shots like under the cloak. As he's running, like the there's a, a lot of POV shots of like through Harry's eyes, like looking out at, um, kind of the, the hallways. hallways as he's yeah. yeah as he's running, um, comes around the corner and there's Snape and Quirrell. It's very tense. Uh, yeah. This scene does not happen here in the book. I uh, was reading the couple chapters today, and this actually happens after after this. 
after the scene with the mirror, there's another Quidditch match that comes up. And it's the one that Snape referees. That he referees, which, yeah. Which we've talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's after the Quidditch match, Harry sees them like, Harry sees Snape slinking off into the Forbidden Forest and he follows after them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and witnesses this conversation then. Right, yeah. It's supposed to not supposed to be in here. It's supposed to be in the Forbidden mm-hmm. Forest. Because who's going to follow them out into the Forbidden Forest? Like, they Other would assume nobody. little rebel Harry here. Except for Harry. Getting into trouble. I know, getting into trouble. Almost getting in trouble. Yeah, rest true. Very close. Super close. Um, I'm very interested in this conversation that the two of them are having. I wrote it down, but Snape tells Quirrell that he, that he says, you don't want me as your enemy. And Quirrell's like, what do you mean? And he says, you know perfectly well what I mean. And then we don't hear anything else in the conversation. Like, that's right, that's, that's all you hear. That's all we get. Right, so what is uh, what exactly are they talking about? In the book, in this conversation, uh, Snape asks Quirrell, um, he says, uh, he's, he's implying that, um, he talks about the Sorcerer's Stone, like, kind of outright. He asks Quirrell if he knew, if he's figured out how to get past the dog. Um, have you found a way to get past that Beast of Hagrid's yet? But, but Severus, I... You don't want me as your enemy, Quarrel, said Snape. Uh, I don't know what you mean. You know perfectly well what I mean. He steadied himself, uh, Harry, uh, owl hooted, and Harry nearly fell out of the tree. He steadied himself in time to hear Snape say, Your little bit of hocus pocus. I'm waiting. Uh, and then he, he leaves. He doesn't get any information out of him, and he says, Very well, we'll have another little chat soon, when you've had time to think things over and decide where your loyalties lie. And I think from Harry's perspective, we're supposed to think that uh, that Snape is trying to like push information out of Quirrell so that Snape can figure out how to get to the how to get to, to, the, to, the, to the to the stone. Um, yeah. In the conversation with Hagrid earlier, after the first game, when they assumed that Snape was responsible for jinxing Harry's broom, in the book, Hagrid mentions that Snape is one of the professors that is protecting the stone. Yeah. So there are several different professors that are that are have different enchantments or whatever protections to keep people from finding out uh, the stone at the center of it, and yeah. it seems like he's trying to ask Quirrell, like, "How do I get past your little bit of hocus pocus?" Right. Um. But, but yeah, we know that's that not sense. true. Like, that's not. But that's not what's happening. Harry's wrong. Of course. <laughs> We, we know, know that. Yeah, because we're going to spoil the end anyway. So we know that Harry's wrong, which means that this conversation is... Snape is aware that Quirrell is trying to get at the stone, it seems. Yes. Right? And yeah. he's telling him, uh, you needed to figure out where your loyalties lie, as in, like, you're a teacher here, you're one of the people that's supposed to be guarding this thing. Like, are you loyal to Dumbledore or are you loyal to your own, like, vices because you want to... You right. want to procure this thing that isn't yours. Yes. So at this point, like, are, are or, we going with the the perception that Snape does not know that Voldemort's attached to a... No, I don't think he knows. Coral's head. I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows for sure. But I think that perhaps Quirrell has approached Snape about his previous loyalty to Voldemort. Hmm. Do you think, uh... Yeah, to me, this conversation is totally a different conversation. What are you thinking? Because, uh, like, if Snape is already starting, if, like, it, it, it's common knowledge that Snape was 
associated with Lord Voldemort and all that stuff. It's, and he has it, and he has the uh, the mark, the dark mark. But if we're viewing this for the first time, even if we're reading this book right. for the first time, that is not knowledge that we have. Oh, that is true. You're right. I don't think we find out that he used to be sympathetic. Oh, nah. We did hear Percy say that it's that that it's the dark arts he fancies about Snape, not about like ter- teaching defense against the dark arts, right. but that he's interested in the dark. He's arts. in dark. Stuff. So maybe there's definitely an implication that he's sinister. But I don't think we've actually made the connection to Voldemort yet. They haven't. You're right. If, if you're, if you're right. you'd only know any of that if you have prior. Yeah. If you've read all the whole <laughs> series and then like not analyzing like they're doing. But right. because we do have this knowledge, I'm but that's important when you're talking about character arcs to think about it in the context of yeah that entire character's story, like the knowledge of everything that comes after this to kind of help frame previous scenes that may have been hints Absolutely. or foreshadowing. Scenes. Yeah. So that kind of stuff. If we, so we take that knowledge. So, so if I take that knowledge, and yes. I, again, like, Quirrell would know that Snape had a dark mark and was associated with Voldemort, and if Voldemort is on Quirrell's head, and Quirrell obviously is, is aware of the fact, uh, wouldn't he go to Snape like, hey, like, this is happening? <laughs> I... Right. And I, I take this conversation as Snape not believing Quarrel. I think that's the way that Snape wants to play it off to Quarrel. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe him that Voldemort is because he wants back. him to reveal it, like reveal it then. Yeah, and yeah. maybe Quirrell. And he uh, he threatens him and he says, "Don't make me your enemy," and asks questions where his loyalties lie. As a, are you loyal to Voldemort or yourself? Sort of thing, because he wants to push on Quarrel for more information. I never. I like that. I like the idea that. Um, because Snape is a double agent. Yes. Like, but if his, I feel that his motivation. So is he asking this because he's trying to drive a wedge between Quirrell and, Vold, and Voldemort? Like, you should be wary of. He doesn't want to give that impression. No, know. no, he doesn't he want to give want himself to away. Give, no, exactly. So. No, he's he's questioning Quirrell's motivation because from Snape's perspective, if it looks like he's doing he doesn't know about Voldemort yeah. on the back of Quirrell's head, mm-hmm. then it looks like everything Quirrell is doing is just for his own benefit. And Quirrell can claim that it's for Voldemort's benefit all he wants, but without proof of Voldemort's return, Snape's only mm-hmm. going to take that as the uh, the stammering of some idiot who wants to prove himself or gain his own power. That's interesting. Exactly. I like this kind and of... And that like... might be the way he plays off that whole relationship. That, that whole conversation, I think, plays into that reading, whether or not it's necessarily the correct reading of their conversation. Yeah. Because it's obviously just a shortened version of the conversation from the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just getting the last couple lines of it. Yeah. But the way it plays here uh, is very interesting and threatening in a really vague kind of way. And the book is a little more specific about what they're talking yeah. about. It's... um. This interaction is really interesting here because we are coming with what we've seen of the movie, like from the movie so far. Harry is under the assumption that, I mean, this, this is, we're like 10 minutes after they think that Snape jinxed his broom. Right. And so he's operating on like, oh, Snape's the one who's after, um, Snape's the one who's after the stone and, and he's trying to get past Fluffy and he's trying to like, pull information out of and and now it looks like he's trying to shake down yeah yeah (laughs) quarrel 
intimidate him to give him the information he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he continues to sneak around. Like we don't we don't uh, we don't get a lot of this conversation. Yeah, uh, and he definitely. I I think that. I definitely think that whatever Quarrel is planning and whatever Quarrel was doing, he tried to include Snape, and Snape went along with the plan because if Quarrel is talking about Voldemort, Snape needs to maintain the ruse that him and Dumbledore have already set up. Mm, exactly. Like, he needs to make that work just in case it really is Voldemort returning. Because I think Dumbledore is very far planning, and I think that this is something that he talked to Snape about long before we ever begin our story. I definitely believe that. Yeah. So anything that has to do with Voldemort, I think Snape is immediately going to try to play both sides. He kind of so goes into a, like a get a as mode. much information as he can. Yeah. Super secret agent Snape. <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> Double O Snape. Double O Snape. Exactly. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, I do, yeah, I do like that he's playing both sides and that he's trying to, like, draw That's his role, is, is, is yeah. the person who plays both sides. Yeah. Yeah. And the it's, whole saga. Yeah. It's fun. It's fascinating. So Harry tries to take around them. And the Snape looks over his shoulder. Did... Yeah. Did he hear Harry? No, he knows he... he's there. Okay. <laughs> Why do you... Oh, you're going to make see this is probably exactly what you were hoping for. Because I, my firm belief that Snape is a Legilimens, he looks right at Harry. Like, he turns and, like, literally is looking right, like, at his eyes, like, looking at him. Like, you're there. Do you think he, like, does he see him or does he just sense him? I don't think he physically sees him, like, with his eyes. Okay. But, like, he definitely he senses read that he's there. That he's, like, this, there's, there's, mm -hmm. he's definitely there. And him reaching out is just him, like, letting him know, I know you're there. I, I'm going to miss you on purpose. I. That's interesting. I like uh, what, uh, what you just said, Norman, where you said he, he senses a mind. Because Victoria has been talking reader. a lot, yeah, about his legitimacy, mm -hmm. and yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah, if he's a if he's a legitimacy, then he can sense that there is thought patterns within a proximity to him. So, it, if it's like a passive thing, if it's an active thing, then that makes less sense. But I'm willing to accept it. I uh, I marked another moment. In the book, because I knew that Victoria was good. I knew that of this course. was going to come up. Like yeah. this has to, right? No. Uh, I, this one I knew, like for for a fact. I was like, no, this is definitely going to come up. So leading to that next Quidditch match, mm -hmm. um, that's Gryffindor against Hufflepuff, and Snape right. is the referee because mm -hmm. of what happened at the last game. Mm -hmm. It says that as the game, as the match grew nearer, Harry grew more and more nervous. Harry didn't know whether he was imagining or not, but he seemed to keep running into Snape wherever he went. At times, he even wondered whether Snape was following him, trying to catch him on his own. Could Snape possibly know how they found out about, or that they'd found out about the Philosopher's Stone? Harry didn't see how they could, or how he could, yet sometimes he had the horrible feeling that Snape could read minds. 
Of course. I, because he is. <laughs> you know, before we started doing this podcast, even, I never really thought about, like, Snape's legitimacy. No, it's definitely a draw. I think it's fascinating. Uh, I, I, you know, we'll get a little bit of legilimens and, like, occlumency, like, in Order of the Phoenix, but I think the idea of being able to 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 sense other other people's thoughts and and pry into them is amazing and also very terrifying yeah definitely definitely it's kind of a it's it's like people who are uh, legilimens it's like a curse but a blessing type of thing i found a what appears to be a quote from uh half-blood prince about why uh about the relationship between snape and quirrell here Oh, oh interesting i would love to hear it Uh, He says, I think you next wanted to know why I stood between the Dark Lord and the Sorcerer's Stone. That is easily answered. He did not know whether he could trust me. He thought, like you, that I had turned from fateful Death Eater to Dumbledore's stooge. He was in a pitiable condition, very weak, sharing the body of a mediocre wizard. He did not dare reveal himself to a former ally if that ally might turn him over to Dumbledore or the Ministry. I deeply Hmm. regret that he did not trust me. He would have returned to power three years sooner. Uh, interesting. As it was, I saw only greedy and unworthy Quirrell attempting to steal the stone, and I admit I did all I could to thwart him. I like that. Um, but that's also very that's also very scary, because it's like, oh, I could have helped him get the stone, and he would have come back now instead of during a mm-hmm. Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Do you think... I, you... I think it's they actually directly deal with that in Half-Blood Prince, apparently, when he rejoins the Death Eaters. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. That's fascinating. Yeah. I'm excited to get there. That's a long time from now. I have to read the books again. <laughs> I, was, I was curious, so I was searching around in the background when we were having this conversation. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, I did not know that. That is cool. Do you think... So, when Snape turns and looks at Harry... And, and sort of starts to reach out there. Like, what do you think Quirrell is thinking? Right? Quirrell okay. is this guy crazy? Like, but Quirrell has Voldemort, and Voldemort's also a legitimate. But he's not very strong right now. He isn't very strong right now. Do you think he senses right. Harry? But I think that Lo- Voldemort so. does sense Harry, because Quirrell also looks directly at where Snape is pushing his hand. Also, Voldemort can probably sense Harry, the same way that Harry can kind of sense Voldemort. It's not very strong at this That's point just, because yeah, Voldemort true. is very really weak. weak right now. But I, th- but I think in that moment, there's also probably Voldemort being like, psst, psst, there's someone here. Hmm. Like, something going on. I like that. So I think they are both aware that Harry is there. Hmm. But Quirrell is still playing like the shocked... And yeah, probably actually shocked at the idea that someone is standing right there, invisible. Right. Do they know it's Harry? Them. Snape knows it's Harry. How does Snape know it's Harry? Because he can read minds. Oh, but <laughs> do you think he's? I don't know if Snape knows that it's Harry. I don't think that he's like Snape reading Harry. Like, pu- like, because I think that f- to read Harry's mind, he's got to like push. Like, I think that it requires. When we see Harry studying occlumency during Order of the Phoenix, he is using a spell to, like, push into Harry's head. It's forcing those... It's conjuring those memories in Harry. But again, I feel like... 
if it's if, if there's a person there that's not a ghost and they're obviously invisible but if harry's then... just if, if if he's reading harry's thoughts harry's thoughts aren't oh i'm harry potter no like, no of course not. oh he's gonna get me and i need to get out of here so like that's still not gonna reveal who he is yeah because i think to push through and like flip through the mind like a book and find out who it is will take a more concerted effort mm-hmm. and currently snape is distracted so I think it's more like I don't, okay, so a maybe. fly in a spider's web. Like, he knows it's there, but he doesn't know what it is yet. He needs to mm-hmm. go find out. Maybe he doesn't know by reading the mind that it's Harry Potter, but I would think that Dumbledore are, are, is the one who gave him the invisibility cloak, right? Do you see? Yeah. Yes. We, uh, yes. I, so then, and I think Dumbledore told two... Snape that he gave Harry a a cloak and Snape would be like, Oh, there's an invisible kid here. It's gotta be Harry. Exactly. Well, he, do you think that Snape knows? I think Snape and McGonagall know maybe cause those are like the two right hand people of Dumbledore. If yeah, you see Dumbledore, he's flagged by usually McGonagall and Snape, McGonagall and Snape or just Snape. Like what, so, you know, you, you just mentioned McGonagall and we just talked to, we, we just briefly mentioned that Dumbledore gave the invisibility cloak to Harry. When I was watching this movie today, I can't help but feel like McGonagall is the one that gave Harry the Nimbus. No, he oh, is. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Is. I totally think so, too. She totally is. Yeah. yeah. Favoritism like I mean, that's never explicitly said in the books or the movies, right? Uh, no, the most we get in the movie is the shot of Hedwig sitting next to McGonagall after he gets the broom. <laughs> She's looking very smug and proud of herself. <laughs> yeah, and I think in... I'm going to check really fast, but I think... In the book, there's, like, a similar thing that happens. But I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to find it fast enough. Oh, yeah. Uh, In the book, Harry gets the... Before he rips open the package that is the broomstick, he gets a letter. And the letter says, Do not open this parcel at the table. It contains your new Nimbus 2000. And I don't want everyone to know you've got a broomstick or they'll all want one. Oliver Wood will meet you tonight on the Quidditch pits at 7 o'clock for your first training session, Professor McGonagall. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. So so he gets the letter from her directly. Um, okay, but in the movie, it's just like a, like like a, a wink like and a, a wink. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> wink, wink. I like that in okay. the book, it's like, don't open the thing here. And in the movie, Ron's like, let's open it. Yeah, like, I don't care. <laughs> open the darn Well, because in the movie, there's no letter. There's just, it suddenly arrives. Exactly. And Hermione's like, isn't it a bit early for mail? Yeah, yeah, he's the only one who gets a special package. Yeah, he gets he gets a broomstick given to him just in time for the game by a teacher. <laughs> by his teacher, not his... cool. Isn't that cheating? It's or at the very least unsportsmanlike. It's definitely unsportsmanlike, and there's definitely a breach of a. Well, should she have given him there? just like she shouldn't have given him anything? First years weren't allowed to bring brooms. Do they have brooms at the school that he can loan out? I assume so. Like, again, I'm working off of school sports. When you go to school and there's sports, if you play football or basketball, like, you get given uniforms and, like, that kind of stuff. Equipment. Like, to Yeah, like, why to isn't play. everyone riding a... Why isn't so everyone, everyone should have the same provided room. room. Exactly. Yeah. So that there is no, like, this... Of course, a really rich kid is going to have, like, a much better broom than a kid who doesn't have a whole well, lot yeah, of we'll money. yeah, we'll talk about that with, uh, with next year with the Nimbus 2001. So if a kid doesn't have a whole lot of money, but he's really good playing at Quidditch, and he's going to play on the Quidditch team, it's kind of messed up, right? I'm seeing... See what I mean? See what I'm going here? I yeah. do see where you're going. <laughs> so I think Quidditch it's definitely... Quidditch is very unbalanced. Huh? Quidditch is very unbalanced. We, it is very we unbalanced, talked, especially um, if it's in the school. In the school. 
we talked a couple weeks ago with Heidi about um, there being alternates or not. And, and in Quidditch Through the Ages, we found out explicitly not, there are no alternates. If you lose a member of the sense. team, they're down a member of the team. So, like, if you don't, if your goalie gets taken out, you don't have a goalie. That no. means the team could just... But if your seeker like, gets taken yeah, out, yeah, there's no way to win. Yeah. So it's like, or there's yeah. almost no way to win. There's you have to have really amazing well, any, Can't someone else just catch the snitch? No, I don't think anyone else is allowed to catch the snitch. No, it's not allowed. But but so we see Marcus so... Flint use the beater's bat, right? He was which I don't think that's allowed to, either. Right? Where yeah. was that? Call? Well, that's not a disqualification. They didn't get docked points. There was no penalty for that. No, Madam Hooch is non-existent at that game. There are so many fouls that happen. We talked about those pretty extensively too. And I was like, "Come on, <laughs> like what's going on here?" I, I just assumed they're within the rules since no penalties were called. No, I think uh, I think she's just an absentee. <laughs> uh, uh, referee, She's I'm not really there. sure. I mean, the first thing we're t- the first thing we're told about Quidditch is that it's a rough game, and Oliver Wood tells us that he doesn't remember his first game. So I just assume that all these things are within the rules, and they happen relatively often, right? This is just how this is just what happens. Yeah, I don't know. The Madam Hooch is only there to blow the whistle when the snitch is caught, <laughs> basically, and to throw the quaffle up and to start the game. See, to me, the broom yeah. is un- the broom as a gift is unfair, unsportsmanlike. Just what if she used Harry's money to buy the broom? What? What if they used Harry's money to buy the broom? What if they use Harry's money to buy the broom? Yeah, they have the key to his vault. I mean, that's true, but I don't think that's the case. <laughs> you don't think so? No. Do you think she bought it out of her own pocket? Yes, definitely. Really? Or school money or whatever? I don't know. Oh, that's even more. That's even more. That's ridiculous. even more. She ridiculous. had to have bought it with her own money. Yeah. Because I mean, Dumbledore probably would have okayed the implications it. Of all that oh, I'm sure Dumbledore would have okayed it. If it's he would have he would have okayed it for the school money. She would have. She was so willing to win. She would have used her own money. And if she used right. his money, I feel like they would have told him offhand, and then it wouldn't have looked like a gift. Like maybe. it would have been like, here we used your money to get this because you needed a broom. Like there you go. Yeah, I'd... I just I just imagine one of those like sassy, ridiculous Dumbledore comic strips that's online yes with like mcgonagall walking into his office and like being like harry potter needs a broom and i want to get him this one and then she like explains what she wants to do and then she wants to use school money and then dumbledore like is like that's ridiculous that's such a breach of all this and blah 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 but slytherin might might lose let's do it (laughs) yes let's go i like that a lot i do uh i do i like um i like those comic books that that are those comic strips that represent Dumbledore in that like fun kind of absurd way. But, uh, I like that he's like super whimsical like that in the books too. Like we didn't get to talk about it, but there's a Christmas feast that happens and he's wearing a floral bonnet <laughs> in, in the book during the Christmas feast I heard today. But yet people were shocked when JK Rowling like outed him after the series was over. Yeah. It's like, did you not remember the flower bonnet? In the first book. <laughs> yep. It's right there. All the signs it's right are there. there. <laughs> oh, I think it's delightful. Right? It's great. I was, I was like, I want a picture of Dumbledore just sitting there with, At the, that flower, Christmas feast, with the flower bonnet on. Uh, Hagrid also gets drunk and kisses McGonagall on the cheek. That's cute. And she blushes. That's super cute, though. I think it's adorable. I'm like, I, I wanted to see that, too. I'm like, yeah. that is so cute. Well, I mean, yeah. we are, this movie's long enough as it is. With his whiskers. Just like he yes. has like so much hair, just trying to like. Can you imagine like that big face just like coming, right. just coming for her? Exactly. Right it's too sheet. bad you guys don't have an extended edition. I know the the 
there is technically an extended for Sorcerer's Stone, but really all it is is a couple of the deleted scenes cut back in. So we chose not to do that. It's only six minutes longer. Yeah. And we've already, I think we've already talked about all the extended scenes. I think they happened at the beginning. As they happened? Yeah. Um, Or where they would have been? Yeah. There's like another egg, like the longer scene with the letters at the beginning with Petunia. And then there's a scene on the train with Hagrid saying that he wanted a dragon. Um, which I think they. Do oh yeah, like because Harry thing. mentions that uh, Hagrid said he always wanted a dragon the first day they met, but we don't actually see that conversation in the movie. Yeah, it's a no. it's a deleted scene that we got to talk about uh, when uh, Harry's reading off his shopping list at the beginning. They're on like the train into the city, and he mentions that one of the things that he's supposed to get are dragon hide gloves. He's like, "Do they mean real dragon?" and Hagrid tells him, well, they don't mean penguin, do they? <laughs> Pen- penguin hide gloves. Yeah, penguin. Aw, I don't like that. That's just sad. That is sad. <laughs> Aw. At least it's not like puffin hide gloves. That's even sadder. Puffin Aww. hide gloves. We, uh, we just had a local author event at the bookstore I work f- for, and uh, one of the books that she writes is called The Puffin of Death. <laughs> the Puffin <laughs> of Death. She writes like zoo mysteries or something. That's so there's also like the llama of death and the koala of death. That's kind of hilarious. Yeah, that her name is Betty Webb. She's like a mystery writer. Last name cool. Webb and the like spider name. of death. Yeah. Bad, Betty Webb sounds like a good mystery writer name. Right. I like that. She also has like a series that's like desert uh, mysteries too. But I I am very partial to the puffin of death. <laughs> puffin. <laughs> okay, I, I think we've exhausted this minute, you guys. How do you yeah. feel? Yeah, I think uh, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I have a, I have a little bit of Snape stuff as he reaches out um, to kind of go off what we were talking about earlier. So we'll oh. we'll start that tomorrow because oh, right. that's in the next minute, the very yeah. very beginning of the next minute. So awesome! You can find all of us at duelinggenre.com. Uh, Lord of the Rings minutes over there, which is great, and Back to the Future minute is going strong in their third season. And uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things at Harry Potter Minute. Uh, we wrap yeah, you can... up every episode by saying mischief managed, Norman. Yes. Would you? Yes, I am aware. Would you like to join us in on that? Of course. Okay. Do you have any plugs you want to give before we before we stop? Uh, well, I mean, we're on the same website, and if you look us up on there, you can find all the other things uh, we normally plug on our show. So yes. I think that's fine. All the good stuff. All right. In that case, join us tomorrow for minute ninety-two. Of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Mischief, Mischief managed. managed. Yeah.